Hello and welcome to the Black Dog Sports Podcast. We have a special episode for you all tonight. There's no um, real set show. We're just talking about the Mike Leach tweet situation. Was it offensive? Is it much ado about nothing? We'll see one way or the other one. I'm joined today by my two co-hosts, Mr. Jeremiah Short and Mr. Derek Thomas. And as always, Mr. Thomas has the floor first because he is the senior member. What's on your mind tonight? You got to let everybody know I'm old as hell, huh? Really? Man, look, I'm just glad to be on talking about more Bulldog sports. Unfortunately, a topic that I wish we had to discuss, but hey, it's better than talking about nothing. True. So, Mr. Jeremiah, what you got for us tonight? And it's glad to be healthy, man. Um, had another successful week uh, trying to stay productive with all this just being talking to everyone through Zoom and trying to stay healthy and trying to keep my hands washed. So. Um, just glad to be here with y'all. That's the move right there, all right? So um, they just put us on a um, house thingy thing thing here in Mississippi, and Jackson got it going also. But fortunately, um, the stuff that they have us doing, the stuff that I've been doing the whole time anyway, I went and got myself some um, uh, some some hollow point bullets, so I'm very excited about that. Hopefully, I never have to actually use them. They're right here. Hopefully, I never actually have to use them, but, you know, preparedness. So, Mike Leach puts out a tweet, and it's like this old lady, and she's knitting, and, you know, day whatever, whatever, the coronavirus, and she made a scarf for her husband, and it's a noose. All right? So, um, a lot of black fans are outraged. Some people say that, well, we understand that it didn't have anything to do with black people or whatnot, but at the same time, the imagery of a noose is not acceptable under any circumstance. Then you have the other people, like for instance, me, who are like, well, yeah, I know it's a noose, but there was nothing racist in this particular context. And, you know, it might've been tone deaf, but it wasn't like racist. So um, I know that Derek is very passionate about this topic. So I'm going to go yeah. ahead and let him take the lead. Well, I, I do agree with you. Coach Leach probably didn't mean any racist, racism behind the tweet. I mean, initially you could see the humor in it, you know, because you got, everybody's going stir crazy because you, you're around people, you're around your kids, you're around your spouse, and they're driving crazy. So I just need to get them out the way. But had that been a knife, a stick or something, or something else to just knock your spouse out, Anything other than a noose, which is the most vile uh, imagery for our state's history, which is used to hang many an innocent black person till dead. I mean, no, there's just no. Um, of course, I got into Twitter battles with, with trolls or whatever. Some do, but it was used in medieval times. Medieval times. For crimes against the crown. But like I just said, innocent black people were hung with nooses during the civil rights period. And even today, that is, when you see a noose, it strikes fear. Um, at, a, at a state college campus, we had all missed some students hung a noose on a statue. I mean, it's a no-no, man. A noose is a no-no. It's a no-go. Just can't do it, man. Just can't. No matter what your intent was, usage of a noose is a no-no. All right, so um, 
that's the second time that Mr. Derek has brought up the, well, we talk about these things in our Facebook um, chat or whatnot. And I pointed out the fact that I was actually at Mississippi, well, not Mississippi State, I was at Ole Miss as a graduate student when that whole new situation happened. And I, in my opinion, it's comparing apples to oranges because what happened at Ole Miss was that they put a noose around the statue of James Meredith, the first black student at, at Ole Miss. And I said that in that particular case, there was absolutely no ambiguity as to the as to what they were trying to do. And whatever them boys had happened to them, they had coming to them. So I'm like, in that case, we got clear-cut racism, whereas in the other cases, like a guy who's using something that has to do with racism, no doubt, you know. Because if I go somewhere, because like in Greenville, and I've seen places where they have signs up that say, you know, don't put nooses in the trees. And I'm like, what type of stuff y'all got going on that y'all can't, that y'all have to put up a sign for that? The fact that y'all had to put up a whole sign saying, don't put up nooses, lets me know that this is like a problem problem. You don't put up a sign saying, don't put up nooses because there was a noose up there like once. This is like a thing. So, and lately, outside of Greenville, got out there seeing a noose up in the air, you know, Sometimes your natural instinct is to just, you know, play it off. And I'm like, yeah, the imagery of a noose in a tree is pretty clear cut. So I am not going to be the person here to say the imagery of a noose is um, positive somehow, some way. But I guess I'm playing devil's advocate. Actually, I don't think that it's a big deal at all. I think that folks is bored. But let me go to Jeremiah and get his thoughts. <laughs> uh, there's three different layers to this. And I'm trying to, like, just be brief. I'm not going to be long-winded, uh, as I was last week after I watched the podcast. Yes, I'm very long-winded. But it's three different layers. First layer is, I mean, same as you were saying, AJ, is it racist? No. I don't think people are necessarily bored. But he was, of course, being tone deaf. He has to think about the fact. It isn't the fact. If he was in Washington or even the Step Brother program in Texas, he probably could have got away with it. And nobody would even really care. I mean, we know what we got when we got Mike Lee, so we really shouldn't be shocked by this type of behavior. But it's it's like a really bad look. You're in Mississippi. Mike Leach ain't some dumb, ignorant coach. He's very well-educated. Not saying any other D1 coach isn't educated. But Mike Leach is – I don't know. Does he have, like, a law degree or something like that? I'm not even – I can't remember for he sure. Does. He does. I mean, he, he's a pretty – he knows what's up. So I think that's one layer to it. Second layer is – um, and I was watching Undisputed, and Shannon Sharp was talking about it, and I guess uh, we were talking about it in our Facebook group chat. Shannon Sharp was saying, like, he even – and I'll echo his sentiments. Like, even in his apology, it was kind of one of those Apollo lies. He was like, if, you know, I offended anybody with this. It's kind of like, come on, dude, just say – like, we all know when people apologize, why can't you just say, look, I messed up? Like, it's a bad look. Like, just say you're wrong. And I think that's what people are looking at. And the thing – I look – Say what? Because he's not sorry. I mean, that's the point. And I think the thing he has to look, it really isn't about us. I know everybody talk about the black fans. There were players who commented on that, like, what the bleep. And then one of those players that's transferred. I don't know if that's why. It's just it's a direct, maybe it's a direct correlation. Player complains about coach doing something. He might think it's a little racist. These are kids, 19, 20-year-olds. We're full-fledged adults. Of course, we know the world 
And then sometimes people don't mean stuff the way they mean it. But you're 19, 20, looking at you got this white dude coach come in. They say he always say crazy stuff. He's supporting these Republican candidates. Then he's sitting up there posting pictures about people in, in noose, in, uh, with a noose. So, I mean, you really got to think about that. Then I think the third layer is kind of like what we were dealing with with Mike Leach and something I've talked about on the podcast before. Oops, sorry. That was my uh, alarm. Sorry. But <laughs> I had to make an alarm to make sure I'm up. So. Don't we know. The third, <laughs> the third layer, the third layer is the fact that like his act probably is gonna run thin. We're, we're just not a program. Uh, uh, the Mississippi is about being humble. That was one of the issues that Moorhead kind of had. It's just that Leach kind of has a bit more clout because he has a little bit more of a resume. But at the end of the day, what has Mike Leach really done? He's been good, but I mean, what has he really done? He's not one of has he won a, a power a, not power six a New Year's Day bowl? What has he done? And to think he could just get away with some of this stuff. Like, he knows what he's doing. I don't want a coach that got all that foolishness going on. That's some Lane Kiffin stuff. I don't have time for all that. I need you to coach football, run your spread system, throw the football around, bring in big-time quarterbacks, and that's all I need you to do. Now, I'm not one time you need to shut up and coach, but you need maybe you need to think about it. <laughs> well, speaking of which, I mean, you brought it up. We did have one young man decide to enter the portal. And that young man was one of the players who commented on the tweet, that being Fabian Lovett, a former four-star recruit, a uh, redshirt freshman, well, redshirt sophomore now, who started 13 games last year. Right. And he's probably going to be the starting nose guard. In a scheme that he's entering the portal. So, I mean, you could say that, yeah, the tweet is causing this, or maybe it was a conversation that they may have had after the tweet. We don't know. We're in pure speculation mode right now. But the young man has stated his case to transfer away from his state, walking away from a potential starting position to having to sit out a year and play and have two years left. So I like him. I love it. I, I, I would love him to stay. But if he feels uncomfortable with Mike League as his coach, Mike Leach has no one to blame but himself because you have to know your surroundings. And while I, like I said, while I do not feel like Mike Leach meant any racist intent, it's all about imagery. It's all about what people see. And for any black person from Mississippi, the thought or sight of a noose is offensive in any form or fashion. Well, and I think there's no point to us belaboring that point in the way of saying that. Mike Leach knows that. It's not like something he don't know. He knows what's up. He's not like that coach, like, oh, I, I didn't I didn't realize it that way. Um, say I'm just gonna be here just being personal. For example, like I go to a most of white church, a church definitely was that way when I first went there. And like a lot of times I've seen where I see certain white people that will say stuff, they legitimately don't realize that it's offensive. Now, I ain't saying like they're better or anything like that than a Mike Leach. They legitimately don't know. Mike Leach, I think he knows he said it's not the first time he said stuff, so, you know, that's a little suspect. Now, this is the thing that's going to hurt him is people looking like, hey, you never had a black dude start at quarterback. There's a lot of things. It's just that look. Now, kind of pulling this back and going back to what I actually was going to come in on. So, Fabian Lovett, I honestly do. I'm not saying he transferred for sure because of the Mike Leach thing. Maybe some other things he said that made him like, I don't know about this dude. But I think he's making a very emotional decision because you really look at what he's doing. He's transferring. He's going to have to sit out a year. He's already redshirted. So, you're going to miss your sophomore year. What if you go to that new program and you don't start? So you may not be starting to your senior year. You're in a you're here at Mississippi State right now, where you at least for sure know you're gonna be in a rotation in a scheme that right. you know, with players that you know. 
you know you're going to at least play. I ain't saying start because you got Nathan Pickering and Alan Love uh, is going to be able to play this year. But the scheme does fit him. So he has the ex- experience, and he, he did okay toward the end of the year. So I think he's making an emotional decision. So I'm hoping that he doesn't let this determine his football future because I don't know if it's the wisest decision to leave. Because, I mean, if anything, I think Mike Leach is about playing, about, you know, giving guys a fair shot. He never seemed like the type of guy that would hold a guy back because of what they look like or anything. Like, I don't think he's that type of guy, but I think he's just a button pusher, and he likes to do things just to push the needle. But that isn't what you're supposed to do as a football coach because that can hurt That's you. You're head of a program. You're right, sure. Jeremiah. Yeah. We're agreeing. We're actually agreeing. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think he's still operating on a situation where he's never had great recruiting classes. He never really had to recruit at any of the programs he was at to necessarily win. He was comfortable with a seven, eight, nine wins. They didn't necessarily have to be the best team. But in the SEC, you have to recruit talent. And, you know, it looks good right now because we're getting good quarterbacks to come in. four-star recruit out of Texas. And that's apparently having a positive impact on recruiting. But you can kill all the momentum just like that. Or something just like that. Just like that. Well, people like parents, like, man, this dude kind of racist. Like, I can't fool him. Well, I, I agree with you. I hope Fabian Lovett uh, takes some time uh, to decide on if he's really going to leave Mississippi State. Um, maybe he can have a meeting with Coach Leach and clear the air because I would love to see him stay at Mississippi State and finish his career. Mm-hmm. But I understand he has to do what he has to do as far as where he feels comfortable playing. Players have to have to respect their coach. Um, and I think Faber Lovett has lost respect for my leech with this tweet, tweet because – But let's, let's be real. It's kind of more like what AJ was saying. And I don't know if, AJ, you want to chime in with this. It's just like – like, come on, man. Like, we got to stop this. Like, it ain't that deep. Like, come on, man. Like, this ain't something you need to be transferring over. Or folks like, man, a whole – we can talk about – now, we know the full history of Mike Leach. We can be like, all right, this is more the same. But he has a history of just saying stuff. Like, I mean, I think, like – I mean, his book is like Swing Your Sword. I mean, he's just a different type of dude. And I ain't trying to marginalize it and try to make excuses for him. But I'm like, man, come on, man. Like, it's worse stuff to worry about. Man, we got coronavirus right now. We, we worrying about a dude posting a tweet of – a wife with a noose. It's just not a good look, but it ain't like, oh, uh, we don't need to counsel him over this. <laughs> like, well, let me, no, uh, I mean, uh, uh, wait, I'm going to go on here and chime in. So, let me tell you something, brother. So, uh, we were talking about this in the context of the larger civil rights movement. Now, I myself, being a history teacher or whatnot, I was talking about the fact that back in the day when you had the, um, like the NAACP Civil Defense Fund and all of those people, they were very selective about the causes in which they took up because we know that Rosa Parks was not the first black woman to refuse to give up this seat on the bus. Somebody else they did it, but she was like a mom out of wetlock, team mom out of wetlock. Uh, yeah, I think they did like a, uh, I think here in Houston, they did like a play or something on her. That dang, this Negro can't not interrupt me for shite. Now I feel like there. I was just chiming in with an additional detail to that. Ain't nobody need to answer details. I got this. Anyway, so as I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted. Um, I feel as though that the thing is this, is that for African-Americans to overcome, we're going to need allies, okay? So think about what labeling this guy a racist entails. The fact that we're talking about, quote-unquote, canceling him. And it's like, we're never going to be able to get anything accomplished if we're always labeling every person who does every little thing 
as a racist. And think about it, it's just like, you know, if Derek um, patted my niece on the shoulder or something like that, and I'd be like, well, Derek's a child molester. You know, it's certain things that you don't just throw out there. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, well, the guy t- tweeted out a picture. It had a noose in it. There was absolutely nothing within the picture that could be misconstrued as racist. You know, it wasn't like we're going to hang inwards with this noose or that the husband was black or anything like that. So I'm more concerned about, like, playing that race card real fast and loose. And do not get me wrong. There are plenty of racist things that happen. I'm not a person who's trying to make it seem like, oh, everything in America is perfect and racism doesn't exist. We live in a post-racial society because (laughs) we do not. Like, you know, I work in JPS and I'm surrounded by systemic racism every freaking day. You know, kind of like I I went to Ole Miss. I had to stop pursuing my career as a sociologist. I could have went to the University of Oregon with a freaking um, full ride because University of Oregon wanted me. Number three special education program in the freaking country. They are begging me to apply. But I'm like, I don't have enough money to keep this going. I got to go somewhere and actually make some money because I cannot afford to keep this up. Because unlike other people, you know, and the way that college, the way that grad school is set up is like, you can't really work. But at the same time, you don't get enough hours. You know, you had a graduate assistantship and stuff like that, but you don't have enough time to have like a job job. But at the same time, you don't have enough like get food stamps or any type of assistance like that. So it was kind of like, I need to go somewhere and make some money. But um, that's beside the point. So racism is a thing. And I feel as though that it does nothing for the movement to take small, trivial bullshit like this and blow it up and isolate, you know, white people who may be allies because we don't think that, you know, he might be a Trump supporter or whatnot, and he's kind of aloof, but he's not like, a super duper hardened racist or anything like that. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, so I'm like, what are we really gaining from, you know, we're going to fire him because, like, I don't know. It's it's so much real racism. I mean, So, as I was saying, don't. Don't, Derek. So, as I was saying, stuff like at the Washington County Courthouse, or most courthouses throughout the South, we got these statues of the Confederacy up. Get rid of that SHIT. I'm at the um, Mississippi Capitol the other day, and they have like a whole monument to the Confederacy outside. And I'm like, get rid of that stuff. You know, um, get rid of uh, the state song, which is based on a Ross Barnett song. We know Ross Barnett was a like a racist racist, not a make-believe racist, but an actual racist, went shook Byron De LeBec with the guy who killed Mega Evers and during his trial, you know, let's get rid of that Confederate flag that's in the corner of the state flag. To me, that's like real racism. And like I say, the problem is that these people that be on Facebook and they, you know, Facebook woke and stuff like that, when they are confronted with real racism in real life, they do not keep the same energy. They the same ones that'd be like, oh, I'm afraid to lose my job. So I'm going to tell a little colorful story. And Jeremiah is not going to interrupt me whatsoever. And then I'm going to let whoever wants to say something, say something. 
So when I was at Mississippi State, I took part in Mississippi Model Security Council, all right? And there, the professor who was over there, I'm not going to say his name because I have a great deal of respect for him, and I think he's in upper administration now. And I think that he might not be aware of what was going on one way or the other. So, but spoiler alert, Jeremiah took his class. So he's going to know who I'm talking about. Um, when I was in Mississippi Model Security Council, you do a mock UN and you have all these different countries. And for whatever reason, the black people kept representing these countries that had black people. And we never got to do any of the P5 nations like Russia, China, United States, United Kingdom, all that stuff. We've always represented some type of um, black country. And if there was a Chinese person, they were always like South Korea or some crap. That's beside the point. So I'm talking to my classmates and I'm like, hey, am I the only person who is noticing that we are like extremely marginalized in this class? And they like, ah, oh, man, you being paranoid. That's not really going on. You know, you just tripping. Last straw for me was I got to like my junior or senior year and they had this girl who was a freshman, but she was related to like the white people in the class who were the movers and shakers. And they had her representing veto power, a veto power nation. Her first, her first year, she had no clue what was going on, but they gave her one of the most prestigious spots. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna head out. So I went and got my little um, withdrawal horn took it to the uh, professor, whose name I will not say, but I'm going to say that he was in political science, and I think he's some type of provost now. That's beside the point. <coughs> oh, wait, that's a little coronavirus um, bout right there. So I get to his uh, office, and I was like, hey, I feel as though that there's, you know, a little bit of schism, as my dad would say, going on within this class. I say, y'all got all the black people representing these um, off-brand African nations like Benin, and we don't have any of our own president chairs and stuff like that, and we, we basically don't have any power within the class. And I say that I don't know if it's you doing it, or I don't know if it's the students who you have in control who are all white, by the way. But I say, whatever it is, I'm not sticking around for this crap no more. So I handed him the withdrawal form and he was like, no, don't withdraw from the class. Don't withdraw, don't withdraw. And I was like, nah, man, you know, this has been going on for years. I ain't got time for it no more, whatever, whatever. He was like, if you stay in the class, I promise that we gonna do right by you. I was like, okay. I say, I do it, but you will live to regret if you mess me over. So the next time that we get to class, lo and behold, suddenly I'm representing one of the P5 countries and when we do the Mississippi Model Security Council simulation, they gave me my own um, council to run, which for a black person, they didn't have us doing that at all. So the amazing part was that the black students who wouldn't stand up with me, by the way, a lot of these folks is the Facebook woke ones nowadays, they was like, oh wow, you went and said something to them, and now you have all the power within the class and stuff like that. Maybe you was right. And they was doing this to us on purpose. I was like, duh. I'm like, what y'all thought I was lying or something like that? Y'all was so busy trying to tap dance and shuck and jive for the white folks that y'all didn't want to take the situation to y'all own hands. So that is the story of how black people actually got something remotely resembling power at Mississippi Model Security Council was because 
somebody finally decided to stop being like, well, maybe if we're lucky, like, no, we got to take the situation into our own hands. So, like I say, a lot of these folks, real woke on Facebook, but in real life, they don't want no smoke. So, you know, that is what it is. So, Jeremy, what you got to say? No, I mean, I thought it was excellent. I think, if anything, you kind of shifted the focus of this podcast kind of to what it should be and maybe the overall thing of what it should be. Is that maybe we should put that energy to, to what we should be putting it toward and actually focusing on real racism. Sometimes it is the systemic stuff. Now, both, both myself and you are black male educators, and we really know what's up when it comes to that, when it comes to systemic racism. And, oh, you're never the one they want to give credit for being smart. And I think the thing is kind of what you're talking about with the – I guess the model security council, how they never gave the black people the role as the power of five countries or anything like that. But in education, like as I study the profession, I look around, you know, there's any of the people that's dealing with pedagogy or anything, how it's supposed to be done. It's never anybody black. It's always someone, maybe Hispanic. Every once in a while you might see an Asian person, but normally a white person, generally a white female. So it's this thing like that. You know, even though half of the kids now in the education system are minorities. So, yes, Derek, um, what's the time now? But I, I think that's the, the energy we should be focusing on. What's real racism and, like, what's really, like, stuff that's holding us back? Not a football coach putting the news. What should we really be focusing on? It's fake woke crowd. And I probably know some of the people that you actually are probably uh, talking about that are fake woke on Facebook. But they really won't do the stuff that it really takes to actually – you know, I'm a person that say, for example – you know, I go to most of the white churches. I'm like, oh, man, you go to a white church, you do this, you do that. But I'm like, yo, I'm the one actually in, in the school teaching these kids that look like us and making sure they do it. And while you're talking about it, I'm actually doing something. I'm making sure they can read. I'm making sure they actually can be successful human beings. Now, by the way, statistically, if one of them has me as a teacher, they have a much higher chance of going to college. So I think I proved myself to be fairly effective with that early in my career. And it's not just talk about myself, but there's other educators like yourself and other people I know that are friends that are educators, they're actually doing it. And then there's other people that are doing things, you know, it kind of speaks to say like Jay-Z, people were getting on him for coming to the NFL. But if you look at that man's track record, that man has helped out with so many causes, not like that we knew about. He was doing it behind the scene while it was in, well, not Charlottesville. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, so many cases where he's helped out behind the scenes, paying people bail, paying uh, Lil Wayne, people taxes. He's done so much stuff, but then people criticize him because he took the NFL deal, trying to call him a sellout. But, like, people got to really think about what they be doing sometimes. Yeah, like I say, it's I don't want to, because that's a, that's a scarlet letter. It's certain things, that just like I when I used the example earlier of like sexual assault and rape and stuff like that, there are certain things that like you cannot just lightly accuse somebody of mm-hmm. because that's something like you know Tommy Hilfiger. Tommy Hilfiger has problems with black people buying his stuff to this day because of a um oh yeah I heard about that yeah because of a bogus chain letter going around talking about he went on to um about how he went on to uh Oprah and he said that he don't make his stuff for black people. Whatever, whatever. And like I said, to call somebody a racist who is not a racist, in my opinion, is one of the worst things that you can possibly do. So, like, there are real racists out there, like, Tate Reeves. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> we'll repeat that. Like, who? Tate Reeves. 
Ain't scared. You know, with your chest. Like those Tate Reeves and the Phil Bryans and all of those people of the world. Those people are like real life racists. Okay. Um, I, I don't want to get onto my rant about um quote white allies within the Democratic Party. Um, because we don't Not have a political show. All right, so Derek, what you got to say about this whole situation about you know? Well, I, is I this is this that. real? Is this real racism? No, I don't think my leash is being racist. Uh, his imagery was wrong. I don't agree with Shannon Sharp saying that we should fire Mike Leach. But, brother, you you kind of this is strike two, really, as far as insensitive tweets that you've made, and you haven't even coached a ball game yet. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I like Mike Leach for his for his spontaneity, uh, spontaneity, but, man, post my football from right from now on, man. If it ain't got football... You know, leave politics alone. Leave quarantine jokes alone. Because his, his humor is like, it just ain't it, man. I mean, a, a noose, man. It's just, that's just something that I just cannot support. While I'm a big fan. Hold on, Jeremiah. While I got I'm you. I got fan. you. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm with you. Yeah, we got like eight minutes left. Yeah, while I'm a big fan of Leech. I, I just can't support, uh, you know, him using that joke. That's a no-no. No, uh, all I was going to say is it's kind of similar to, like, when Lane Kiffin came to Tennessee and they talked about all that crazy stuff he was doing, you know, just to get attention. And he had to do all that stuff when he was in USC and different places. Like, that. you got to do all that to get attention. And SEC, you do just the smallest thing, people going to pay attention. People already kind of got their eye on Mike Leach. They want to make us a primetime game. They want to do all those things. But at the same time, like, oh, this is this not the move. Because he actually has a lot of talent. He has the potential actually to do very well at Mississippi State. And I do feel like we got a chance to go on a good two, three-year run with him after that. I wonder if his ex kind of going to run thin. Like, does anybody really think Mike Leach being a little racist is really going to hurt him at Mississippi State in that way, though? I think it would just hurt him globally for the SEC. Him being a little racist at Mississippi State – like, I know we try to make ourselves out like we're a little more evolved than Ole Miss, but yeah, are we? So, I mean, you really got to think about that. Wait, 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 wait. I think that's an excellent point that you brought up, but um, I, I'm going to let Derek talk so that I don't Jeremiah him and then return <laughs> to it. Well, I was just going to say that, you know, the only drawback is potentially any parents coaches or players mm-hmm. who took offense to that may not want to come to Mississippi State because of that imagery that he portrayed. Even though I don't feel like the, the joke itself was racist, the imagery in the state of Mississippi is just you can't make a you can't make an excuse for it. You just can't. It'll blow over that wasn't that video. Right, so what I was thinking about was like <laughs> Are we any better than Ole Miss? Because, you know, people ask me all the time as a person who went to Mississippi State and who went to to Ole Miss, like, how is it different? And I tell people all the time that it's not that I don't think that Mississippi State has racist people, just that they don't have the audacity to be overly bold about it. Other than when it's a late night. 
Look, don't get me started on that story. I ain't gonna be good. Matter of fact, yeah, F it, F it, okay, F it. I'll tell you, we got five minutes left. So, we got a friend. His name is, uh, we ain't gonna say it, but we gonna say his name is Cedric Fruert, okay? Read between the lines on that, all right? And he went to um, Northeast Rankin, home of the Bobcats. And it was real late at night. Some guys had just come in from the bars or whatnot. They ringing cowbells. They knocking over trash cans and stuff. Friend um, Cedric Fruert goes out there <laughs> to see what's going on, what's all the noise. And he walks up and the boy knocking over the trash can. And friend's like, man, why is you knocking over the trash cans? And he was like, um, oh, yeah, you know, the N-words to clean it up. And so he turned around and seeing my friend Cedric, and he was like, oh. Because my friend Cedric is like a, you know, he's a big dude. He ain't like that big. He ain't like my height or anything like that. But I'd say maybe like, maybe Derek. I don't know. He's not a small dude. And so the guy tries to attack him. And he like hits him on his back. And the dude flips around. His face turned maroon and white. So, you know, he was showing bulldog pride. You know, even in the midst of a beatdown, he was true maroon. So there's something to be said for that. But so after the fight, they covered everything up because, you know, the last thing that you, because, you know, technically both of them, well, my friend could have got put out the university, but he didn't because don't nobody want to have a part of kicking a dude out of the university because he beat up a white dude who, um, you know, was talking about the N-words is going to clean it up. So they just covered the whole thing up and made it go away. By the way, I did have a problem with it because most of the custodial staff was black and I did feel as though that a lot of people were trash in the dorms because they would go have the black servants come up and then clean everything up. But what else? So anybody got anything that they want to say? We ain't got number like three minutes. Matter of fact, let's just do the outros. So outro, Jeremiah, three minutes. What you got? Man, I just say, man, people don't make too much to do about nothing, man. Don't be like trying to cancel our coach. And as something I kind of wanted to add earlier, hey, this is probably not the best look on Mississippi State. You fire two coaches in a row off some foolishness. Like, you kind of fired Joe Moorhead kind of, okay, we all get it. Maybe it was the right move because of just the culture of the team and all that good stuff. It just was real bad. But it was a really bad look. Then you go fire a coach that you paid $4 million. You're going to have to spend money on them. Let's just say we just did that. Like, we're going to show that we don't accept – racism. You fired a power five coach who everybody's excited about because of one dumb tweet. And then you fired the other coach because oh, he had no classroom management. Like, I'm done. Right. Alright, so, Derek, since Jeremiah took up all the time, of course, <laughs> um, go, ahead, go ahead and give us your pardon shot. Man, stay safe. Stay at home. Social distancing. Be safe. Let's be COVID. All right, bad boy, baby. So I just wanted to put out there that I didn't like Mike Leach anyway. I think he's uh, an overrated coach, and I don't believe for one second that the air raid is going to work. Um, it's just like the full court press and college basketball. It works against undisciplined major teams, <coughs> but it ain't going to work against Alabama and them. So the last thing that I want to say is that, yeah, we were supposed to be socially distancing or whatever, but – as you can see from last week, you know, real N-word got to say fly. So yeah. in the words of Vic <laughs> Schaefer, praise the Lord, 
Go dogs in. K-Bye.